And all right, children, toddlers, we'll have you dismissed to your church services. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. The title of this morning's message is Lost, Unfound, Gone, Lost. And uh, if you know anything about Luke chapter 15, if you've read it at all, you'll know that it is the story the parables of lost things. And so I was just looking for a few different words that may make us think about the different ways that we can lose things. I mean, sometimes we have things that are just missing. We can't find them. They're, they're somewhere, but we don't know where that somewhere is. How many of you have ever found something that you were looking for right in the place where you left it? I mean, don't you just hate that? Uh, it, yes, yes. I have found my glasses on my nose. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than realizing that you are looking for something that is right there. There are some things that are gone. I mean, they're just not here. They're somewhere else. You have no access to them. They're gone And then there are some things that may be right in front of you, but they're lost. You can't touch them. You can't use them. And those are the stories that Jesus is using here. And and people, as we read the Bible, we normally put the emphasis on the wrong thing. I mean, one of the most famous stories in the Bible is the prodigal son. Uh, I hope that by the time we finish that you realize it wasn't only the prodigal that was lost. The elder brother was just as lost as the younger brother. Everything in this chapter is lost. Some of it gets found. And the thing that you would think that was never lost in the first place is the one that's gone forever. And so let's just jump in this morning here. The first one I call missing. And let's just set the context. Verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now get the picture here. Luke chapter 14. Jesus was in the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat. And, of course, as it normally happened, they began to ask Jesus questions, trying to entrap him, ensnare him, trying to embarrass him. Imagine trying to ensnare the Son of God using his own words. I mean, we, we laugh at that, and we should. The problem was they didn't believe that Jesus was God the Son. That's why they kept trying to attack him. And as he leaves the Pharisee's house, it was noised about in the area, and all the, fair, all the publicans and the sinners. Now, we've gone over this. A sinner was not just someone who committed sin. This was a special class of people in Jewish society who had no regard for God's laws whatsoever. They lived in the same town. They had the same last name. But they did not care a whit about what was in the Bible. Sabbath afternoon, everybody's supposed to be resting. 
not supposed to be cooking. Sinners would be out there grilling steak, trying to just irritate all of those that were keeping the Sabbath. That's the way these people were. They were the people who were in your face. Only now, they had all gathered probably somewhere very close to the house of this chief Pharisee, this chief man of religious uh, fervor, and the Pharisees and Sadducees were upset. See, we learned in Sunday school, and we don't, I don't plan the Sunday school lessons. We just follow the order of the Scripture. But, you see, they were still stuck on this unclean thing. These were sinners. These were publicans. They were filthy people. They weren't worth being saved. Yet, Jesus went out and preached to anyone who would hear. Amen? And so he tells the first story, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost, I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which, have no, which need no repentance. Now let me ask you a question, and Jesus was actually saying this as he said it. Uh, could you find ninety and nine persons that don't need repentance? No. See, Jesus was making a contrast here. The shepherd was going on his way. He was leading the sheep to the pastures where they could graze and, and uh, the waters and all of those wonderful things. Shepherds of the Jewish variety, the Oriental shepherd was not like the, Eastern, the Western shepherd. I mean, when we talk about someone who has sheep, What's the first thing you think about in the in West when you think of sheep? You think of dogs. Because the Western shepherds, we, we uh, control the sheep using other animals. The Eastern shepherd didn't do that. He knew each one of his sheep by name. He talked to them. He led them as if they were a pet. Now, a hundred sheep is a lot to take care of. But this shepherd was so careful that he realized he was missing one, a little lamb. And what does he do? He leaves the 99 in the wilderness, it says. That was a place not inhabited. They would be safe in a group together. And he goes out and he searches for that missing lamb. Now, we're going to characterize some of these. And, you know, some things just turn up missing. Uh, I looked for a nice word, but I figured it'd be better just to use the, the plain and somewhat rude word, the stupid one. How many of you lost something because you were just dumb? I mean, you just weren't paying attention. You just lost it. I'm not the only one. I saw a few other willing to admit it. 
And, uh, you know, some people are that way, aren't they? We're talking about lost souls. It's just because they don't know any better. They don't think about things. How many times have you met someone who says, I, I, well, I just didn't think about it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I remember a story of a preacher years ago. This was many years ago when you could pick up hitchhikers and he was driving down the road and saw a guy waving his thumb and pulled, got him in the car and began trying to witness to the man. And he was one of them young college students and uh, back in the 60s and knew everything. He said, well, the only problem is, he says, I just don't know where I am. And the preacher, being just a little bit on the uh, belligerent side, we might say, slammed on the brakes, pulled over to the side of the road and said, get out of my car. And the guy was just, what? He says, I'm going to help you. He says, you're right here. Slams the door and drives off. Just leaves the guy standing on the side of the road. You see, somebody that doesn't know where they are when they're standing right there, uh, we call that stupid, amen? That, that's dumb. But how many people go to hell because of dumb? How many people miss out on the joys of Jesus because of just plain dumbness, just not thinking, just not using any mental capacity? I mean, this little lamb, he didn't know any better. He just wandered off and all the sheep left him and there he was all by himself. Maybe it was a she, we don't know. But we do know this. The shepherd wasn't dumb. He was alert enough to realize that one little lamb out of a hundred sheep was missing. That tells me the shepherd's pretty alert, amen? And he makes sure that those 90 and 9 are going to be safe. They're, they're in a place where they have pasture. And he goes out and he searches until he finds that missing little sheep wherever he is. And he picks him up and he lays him on his shoulders and he brings him home. And I love the heart of the shepherd. He's rejoicing because he found the lost sheep. And when he gets home, he tells the story. He says, I was taking my sheep and I discovered one was missing and I went out and I searched until I found them and I found the missing sheep. Aren't you glad the shepherd's looking for the lost sheep? Amen. And you'll notice that he searches until he finds the sheep. He knows that sheep is out there. Now, let's just take... Uh, a moment here and look at the sheep for a moment. He was separated from the authority and the care of the shepherd. What was his future prospects? Uh, somewhere between dinner and a midnight snack. Amen. I mean, that was the future prospects of this lost lamb. Uh, if he was left out in the wilderness overnight, something was going to find him, and that was going to be the end of the little sheep. The shepherd rejoiced when he found the lost sheep. Amen? 
And he returns home and Jesus is telling the story and he ends it with this, saying that in heaven there's more rejoicing over one sinner that repents. Who was Jesus preaching to? The publicans and the sinners. Then over 99 just persons, who were that? The Pharisees and the scribes who need no repentance. You see, it wasn't that the scribes and the Pharisees didn't need repentance. The problem was they thought they didn't need repentance. Now let me ask you, who was really dumb? The sheep that got lost? Or the 99 that didn't think they were lost when they actually were? My vote is for the dumb sheep that got lost. Amen? Uh, I'd much rather be on that side than on the other side that didn't even know that they were lost. Now, the next story that Jesus tells, boy, I'll tell you what, a lot has been done to this story. Verse 8, and and by the way, I I want to just touch on one thing before we move on. Verse 4, Jesus said, what man of you? He simply said, this is the normal way that a shepherd would act. This was not an extraordinary story. This was an ordinary story. This is one that they would be familiar with. This was one that would have happened not just once or twice, but would have happened on a regular basis as the shepherd would lead his sheep. One would get lost, he would find him, but it was always a source of rejoicing for finding that which is lost. Amen. Then the next story starts out saying, either what woman? Hey, again, an ordinary story. This is ordinary things, things that they would be very familiar with. Having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, just as a way not to try to improve on the Bible text, but a way to make you think, I call this the unfound Because where was the coin? It was right there in the house. The coin never left the house. Just didn't know where in the house the coin was. And and it's amazing as they talk about getting the broom and sweeping. Some of the commentators say sweep the debris out of the home. And like the home was a filthy wreck and people couldn't find anything. How many of you keep your house clean? How many of you lose things in your house on a regular basis? Okay, let's not impugn this lady's character by saying her house was so dirty. Uh, How many of you have ever found a dust bunny under the bed? Okay, houses get dirty around here. And, And they did in Jerusalem. Normal, regular story. 
In fact, I lost the song list on the way down to my office from the apartment upstairs, and I couldn't find it. I had to call this morning and say, hey, Brother Dave, can you ask Carolina what songs are on the list this morning so I can print the bulletin? I lost my paper. I don't know. Maybe that would really qualify for the first one, dumb, because uh, I never did find it. I, it's, it's somewhere in this building, but it is certainly unfound. And you know how usable something that is unfound is? It's absolutely worthless, isn't it? I mean, it's right there. But it has no value. Uh, By the way, did the coin care that it was lost? Say, why do you ask these? uh, Because I want you to think this morning. The coin could not care that it was lost because it's a coin. It has no feelings. But the woman cared that the coin was lost because she had feelings. And somebody said, well, how valuable was this coin? Well, it was a piece of silver. That would probably mean, though the Bible doesn't give this coin an exact definition, But there was brass money and there was silver. And, of course, gold is the most valuable. But chances are this was uh, a coin that the Jewish people were very familiar with. It was equal to about a day's wages. How many of you, if you lost a day's wages, the money you could earn in a day, would say, oh, well, I just lost it, I guess. Or how many of you would say, wait a minute, i got to find that thing. I'm going to search until I find that money. And that's what she did. Would you be happy when you found that which was unfound? Yeah. You see, it had no value, even though it was worth a day's wages, there was no value in that coin until it was in the hand and the possession, until it was able to be used by the woman. And while it was lost, while it was missing in that home, while she could not find the place in there that it was, the coin had no value whatsoever. You know, there's a lot of people that are just unfound. They're in the house. But they've never had a living relationship with the living God. You know what? It's somebody's responsibility to find them. Amen? Somebody said it was interesting that Jesus uses a woman here in this story and uh, that tried to make a correlation that the church is the bride of Christ, female, and it's the church's job to find people who are not saved, people who are lost. And I would take it a step further maybe that there are people who sit in church services every week that do not have 
a living relationship with the living Savior. They just go because Grandpa went. And I'm not talking about churches that don't preach the gospel. I'm talking about churches that do preach the Word of God. And where it is spoken and explained very carefully, there are people that are just simply unfound. And we need to pray about that, amen? Because there's rejoicing. It says, in the presence of the angels of God. Now, if that rejoicing is in the presence of the angels of God, who's rejoicing? Well, God is number one, amen? And the other beings that are there, the saved souls of men, they're rejoicing. You see, those two have a part in this thing. Angels really don't. They're just kind of the messengers. But when the songwriter wrote that great song, and I'm going to keep singing it until Jesus comes, about the angels singing. No, the angels aren't singing. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the redeemed who are praising God for every soul that is found. Amen. Amen. Boy, got to work hard for him this morning. Now we come to the story of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to take time to read the whole story, but everybody that reads this story gets all wrapped up in the prodigal. And he's called a prodigal because he wastes everything that he has. I mean, let's just touch on a verse here. Let's look at verse 13. It says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, and we know where he ended up, ended up in the pig pen. Now, think about this. Here is a Jewish man feeding pigs. Can't get much lower than that. And what's worse is he is so hungry that if there was any way he could eat the refuge that the pigs were eating, the husk, he would have ate them too. How many of you have ever been around a pig when it eats? Don't get between the pig and its food. Uh, the pig would not mind a bit adding a few of your fingers to the meal. That wouldn't bother him at all. It might bother you a little bit, but it wouldn't bother the pig. Let me tell you, this young man was gone. I mean, he's way past stupid, Right? And there was no dumbness there. He was not in the house waiting to be found. He was Gonsville. He had traveled to a far country. He had changed his name. He had spent everything he was. He was out in the fields feeding the swine. Nobody could have found him. Even if you sent Sherlock Holmes, he wouldn't have found him. I mean, he, this guy was Gonsville. You know... A lot of people come to New York City 
because they want to be gone. They want to be away from everybody and any kind of rules, and they, they want to do the things that they want to do. You know, if we were to categorize this man, we have the dumb sheep, the careless woman who lost the coin. This one we'd have to categorize as lust. What is the message of today? Follow your heart. Yeah. Follow it. I dare you. I'll tell you where it's going to take you. It's going to take you to the broad way which leadeth unto destruction. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He was gone. But did the father ever stop loving the son? How many of you have read the story? He looked for him every day. And when the son came home, it was a long way before he got into the house. I put in my mind the picture of that old man running up the walk with his stooped and bowed brow and his bent back and running to find his son and breathless and out of, uh, just ready to faint. And he grabs a hold of that filthy swine of a son of his. That's where he'd been with the pigs. And he falls on his neck and he kisses him. And he says, bring out the best robe and you put a ring on his finger. I want people to know that this is my son. Tell you what, the father never stopped loving the son. But let me tell you something else. The father never left the home. He was not going to go where the son was. He was not going to help his son have an easier life in the far country because his son didn't belong in the far country. His son belonged at home. The dad did not have to go seeking his son. You know what found the lost son? It was the teaching and the instruction that he had given him when he was young. Finally knocked at that heart's door. Said, your father's servants are a lot better off than you are. You have everything you want. Now do you want it? It says, when he came to himself. Isn't that interesting? How many people trying to find themselves? Look in the mirror, my friend. Uh, but it better be the right mirror. Look in this one. Don't look in the one that hangs on the bathroom wall. Somebody said one time, you ought to put a mirror on the refrigerator door. That'd keep you out of there. I don't think that would work. 
We see in those glass mirrors what we want to see. Remember the sermon a couple of weeks ago? You remember what you want to remember and a whole thing, a lot of things that you don't even remember, you remember. It's easy to deceive ourselves. How did the young man come to himself? He admitted what the father had taught him was right. That's how he came to himself. I tell you, you ought to be afraid of who and what influences you in your life. Because it doesn't matter who you are, but if you allow the world to influence you, guess what direction you're headed in? You're headed to the world. If you allow the Savior to influence you, what direction are you headed in? To the Savior. That's what happened to this young man. He was gone. And when he came home, guess who was in charge? I mean, he had his speech all planned out, didn't he? Father, I am sinned in your sight and God's sight, no worthy to call your son. Make me as a hired servant. He never got the speech finished because the dad cut him off. If he was going to live in the father's house, it was going to be at the direction of the father. You see, he had to surrender his desires to those of the Father to live in the Father's house. Do you think the prodigal son enjoyed the dinner party that the Father threw for him? Why was everybody there? He was rejoicing, this is my son that was lost and now he's found. And everybody came say, you did what? We know what you did, you filthy, rotten little monster of a boy, ungrateful. I'm glad you come home to get right with your father. You know, that's the way people are, isn't it? But the son knew he had to put up with that to live with the father. And it was a whole lot better with the father than it was on his own. In fact... It was not nearly as humbling for him to put up with the sneers and the jibes of those who were staring at him and gawking at him as it was to put up with feeding the pigs. That was quite a step up. Are we still together here? But let's talk about the lost son. You see, he comes in from the field and he hears the rejoicing. Do you realize he had never left home until the prodigal showed up? He refused to go in. He had been in that home every day of his life until this one. You see, we have the dumb sheep that was lost, the careless woman who un, uh, lost her coin. 
the prodigal son who was governed by his own lust and his own desires. The eldest son was lost because of his pride. We want to talk about the greatest sin in the Bible. Is it not pride? In fact, I don't know very many sins that aren't connected to pride. They don't start with pride. The Bible says only by pride cometh contention. I don't know anyone that deals with hatred and anger that doesn't have a problem with pride. In fact, in order to break any of the Ten Commandments, you first got to start with number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee and accept some other authority that you may disobey God in any other area of your life. Uh, that's pride. I've had people say, but pastor, I, I hate myself for the things that I've done. Uh, excuse me, that's pride. You think that by mistreating yourself that somehow you're going to mitigate the wrong that you've done. Uh, you cannot do that. The elder son would not go in the home as long as the younger son was in there. His button had finally been pushed. You see, he thought it was his works and his feigned obedience to his father that gave him his position as son. When the truth of the matter was, his position as son was due to something he had no control over. It's called birth. That's what brought him into the family. And he couldn't see that the father's love for the younger son was just and strong and fervent toward him. But if you're going to live in the house, you got to follow the direction of the Father. Men, don't ever advocate your position as Father. That doesn't mean you're a dictator. But there'll come a time when everybody feels that way. You just make sure that what you have set in your home is what God has set in his word. God does not compromise his love for anyone. Amen? You see, the elder son never surrendered to the father because if he had, he would have had to pray with the father for the return of the younger son. He would have had to sit there at the window and look down the road and hope the younger son was coming home. The elder son never did that. He was too busy trying to prove how good a son he was. You ever wonder why people try to prove things? You ever met anybody that says, 
Listen, let me prove to you I'm telling you the truth. What's the first thing that ought to go off in your mind? Liar, 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 liar. I don't need to prove to you I'm telling you the truth. You can read it right here, amen? But he was trying to prove he was the best son. Then why didn't he believe the father when the father divided unto them his living? Have you ever thought about what God has given you before you were saved? I mean, look back in your life. He gave you life, did he not? He gave you freedom of choice. He gave you this beautiful world to live in. God has given us so much. And what do we do? Well, we can be dumb like the little lamb and just miss out on it. We can be careless like the woman and take those things that God has given us and just lose track of them. They're of no use. We can be like the younger son and try to take God's inheritance to satisfy our own pervient desires. Or, worst of all, we can be like the eldest son and expend God's inheritance to us trying to earn what he's already given us. Missing, unfound, gone, and lost. I want to challenge you this morning before we finish. You're somewhere in this sermon. You know what? Every one of these things that were lost had value. The coin was a day's wages. That's valuable. The missing lamb had that potential value of growing up, being part of the flock, producing the wool and and many things that that little lamb would have produced. How can you value the human soul? I'll tell you, God did. That's why Jesus died on the cross, my friend. That's how valuable your soul is to God. Nothing of this world's goods is even comparison. If you had all that the world had to offer... You couldn't demand that God send Jesus to the cross for you. He did it free and willingly because of his love and his value for the human soul. But being separated from the authority that God had put in their life, each one of these lost things had no value at all. In fact, the sons were... Worse than valueless. The youngest son wasted all of his living. The eldest son wasted all of his life. Not one of them found themselves. The shepherd found the sheep. The woman 
found the coin. The teaching and the reasoning of the father that he had given his younger son while he was still at home found him in the pig pen of a faraway land. And yet when the eldest son would not come into the home, the father went out and entreated him to come in. You see, the Calvinist tries to simplify things by saying, well, only God can determine who gets saved. No, Jesus is trying to teach a simple lesson here. It is God that seeks the lost. You think you may be seeking him, but he's the one that is seeking you. You may think that you have these desires in your heart, but he's the one that put them there. He didn't program you like a robot. He didn't decide for you. But just like the little lamb that was lost, he's going to keep searching till he finds you. Like the coin that was in the house, he'll sweep and move the furniture and look until he finds him. Now, we got to ask the question, are you separated from your authority today? Or are you under the authority that God has given you? You say, well, how do I know that? Uh, you know. Is your life about God or is it about you? God is not here to help you realize your goals. God wants to use you for him to realize his goals. And that goal is your life to bring praise and glory to his name. You can be separated by just plain old-fashioned stupidity, carelessness, the desires of this world, or pride. Anyone will do. Maybe a combination. God's looking for you, but you've got to be willing to be found. There's a choice that you have to make. The son, the younger son, had to get up and walk the distance from the far country back to the father's house. The elder son, all he had to do was come in off the patio and walk through the door. We don't know that he ever did. The coin had absolutely no say at all in what happened to it. But let me ask you a question. Are we not to be totally at the disposal of the Father? That's what Jesus meant when he said, He that seeks to save his life is going to lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. It's when I give up on everything and put myself at the foot of the cross. When I come back to the Savior and say, It's not mine anymore, it's yours. 
He'll save me. But my life now is going to be by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the younger son had to choose to come home, my friend. But that was the last choice he made that wasn't directed by the father. Isn't that beautiful? And so must the sinner choose to come to the Savior. But that'll be the last choice that you make without his direction as long as you're serving him. Amen? The eldest son had to humble himself to enter the same house where the younger son was living. Remember to whom Jesus was talking. He had the scribes and Pharisees, the chief Pharisee whose house he had just left, and over here were the publicans and the sinners. For the scribes and the Pharisees to stand on level ground with the publicans and the sinners, what was the first thing they had to admit? That all of their righteousnesses all the good things that they did were of no value. They had to accept the mercy of the Father just the same as the sinner. Somewhere in chapter 15 of the book of Luke, you are Say, oh, preacher, I just feel like that little lamb. Just feel so dumb at times, so unable to understand what's going on. Just call out to the Father. He's looking for you. Amen? There may be somebody here that says, preacher, I... I've never been much for this religious stuff. I don't know anything about this at all. I, I really just don't care. Well, guess what? Maybe you're just unfound like the coin. But I'll promise you this. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Stay right in the house. God's Word will change you. He'll find you. He'll make you care about that which he cares about. Maybe we have one here that's trying to satisfy those inner desires with the things of this world. I promise you, I think it was, uh, it was either old Rockefeller getting one of those guys, they asked him how much money was enough. He said, just another dollar. It wasn't until the younger son got rid of everything that he was able to come to himself. Yet, the eldest son had the most difficult time of all because he had to get over himself.
you can come to the end of your thinking process and realize you're not as smart as you think you are. It doesn't take long for most of us. Amen? You can come to the end of not caring when you allow God's Word to do its work. It's going to change you. You can come to the end of satisfying yourself and realize that no matter what you have or what you could have, you'll never be satisfied only with the direction and the authority of the Father. But I don't know what it is in the human being. They just can never get over themselves. That can take you to the end of this earth and to the brink of eternity. But let me tell you something. There's joy in the Father's house. There's love that doesn't have to be earned in the Father's house. There's all the treasures that this world has to offer. But you know what? When you have the choice between admiring the streets of gold or he that sits upon the throne, how much time are you going to spend checking out the pavement, my friend? When you live in the Father's house, He is what is important. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day. Lord, I just ask that you would allow each one of us to look at ourselves in the mirror of your word. Lord, if we're just missing like the little lamb, all we need to do is call for the Father and he will be there. Lord, if we would have one that is just uncaring and unconcerned, like the coin, that today would be a day when they would understand that you are searching and you will find them if they would only ask. Lord, maybe we have a prodigal here today that has wasted everything that you have given him trying to satisfy themselves with the things of this world. Lord, that today would be the time that they would come to themselves and return to the Father's house. Lord, my prayer is that if we have one like the eldest son who is just content with their own accomplishments and striving to please you through what they can do, that today would be the last day their faith would be in themselves and that they would place their faith in the Savior and that they would realize that the same love that is extended to the one who wasted everything is extended to the one who has everything. That if we'll just surrender our lives to the Savior, to live in the Father's house at the Father's direction, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister to hearts and lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Let's take our hymn books. 294, Just As I Am Without One Plea. You know, that's the only way you can come to the Father. 